Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 21st of January 2017. I've literally, the last half hour while I'm recording this, I've just finished writing my 5,000 words for the Dead of Night thriller that I'm currently working on. And amazingly, because this book's good to run to about 50,000 words, that's 20% through already. I was doing, I always put a little progress bar. If you look at selfpublishingjourneys.com on the right-hand side, you'll see a little progress bar where I mark the progress of my latest book. I just quite like doing it for myself as much as anybody else, for motivational purposes. And um, and, I, and last week I put 5,000 words and thought, well, that's 10% of a book written already. So it's amazing, isn't it? It's like a muscle writing that when I first wrote The Secret Bunker Number 1, it seemed amazing. I was pretty amazed that I'd sat down and written the first 5,000 words because I think, I think the last time I'd written anything near that was 10,000 words for a dissertation. And that was in 1987, for goodness sake. Um, handwritten then, of course, but 1987, 10,000 words for dissertation. I can't remember writing anything near as much as that since. Certainly not that I was counting. So, um, you know, 50,000 words now doesn't seem much to me because the last books, the thrillers, I was writing to 90,000 words. So it does feel like a muscle. And presumably, if I were to write something like 120,000 words now, presumably that wouldn't feel like as much as a, as a stretch as it would have done before I'd written that first 50,000 words. So 20% of the way through a book. And the thing I'm going to have to really do with this book is focus, focus, focus on the action and the pivot points all the time, because otherwise it ain't going to be 50,000 words. It's going to be 90,000 words. So I've really got to keep myself lean and tight with this story. I don't want it to run over 50,000. If it goes to 60, okay, but I don't want it to run over that. It needs to be around 50,000 because it's being given away for free. I'm taking it easy with my writing schedule at the moment because as regular listeners to this diary will know, I'm just acclimatising to my new working arrangements where I'm working three days of the week and then I have the rest of the week, the four days, to work on my sort of writing digital marketing uh, business and the podcast. So um, for the first three weeks, next week I'll be writing another 5,000 words. I've just left it at 5,000 word stint. And then I think uh, next week I do 5,000. Then the week after I'm writing, I've got two writing days in a row. So I'm, I'm writing on, just looking at my schedule here. Oh no, no, it's still a day, still a day. When am I writing two days? Oh, I've been very kind to myself actually. I'm not writing for two days until mid-February. So I just thought I'd work up to that and just cut myself lots of slack with the writing schedule um, just while I'm getting used to all this new weekly arrangement. But so far, it's good. I'm happy with the story, all the intrigue and the characters. It's all there. It's sowing the seeds. Um, I'm sure we'll get there to 50,000 words. But if I have any problems with it, you'll know about it on the diary. Elsewhere in my other writing news, I'm admitting defeat with my P.T. author name. Now, I was hoping that I could use P.T., which I've currently used for non-fiction. I was hoping that I'd be able to use it for my thrillers, but I've, I've given up with it. <laughs> uh, and I'm admitting defeat. It's going to be easier, frankly. I've just This week, I've relisted my non-fiction books on uh, Kindle. Uh, I'll get round to doing them on Create Space. But the problem with this is that I, I can remove all of my books, but there are other people who are listing my books at is it £999 for my WordPress book. Now, 
you know, there's a lot of good information in there, but let me tell you, even as the author, there ain't a thousand pounds worth of information in that book. Um, so I don't know why people do that. It's really annoying. So I could clear out all my stuff, but I couldn't clear out these, whoever these people are, who put these ridiculous prices on books that are no longer available. So that's really annoying. Um, so, I, so I can't clear out the author name. I don't want those £999 books sitting next to my thrillers because it just looks confusing. So the easiest thing for me to do is to relist the the books because what I hadn't realised I'd done at the top of the blurb for each of those non-fiction books. I've said that they were revised, republished in 2016. So anybody who buys them knows they haven't been updated in this year yet if they do buy them. So it just feels like the easiest thing to do. And what I'm going to do with those books is I'm going to stick some new covers on them, give them some more hypey titles. By hypey, I just mean more salesy, more attractive titles because they've got really boring titles at the moment. And um, I'm going to I'm going to sell them for another year. And that actually suits me with something else I'm doing that I'll talk about in the general news section of this diary. Uh, it just works quite well to continue though. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to go for something like RP Teague or Paul R. Teague or something that just looks good on the book. So it's going to have my name in it, or at least my initial in it. Um, but I, I, I want it to have my name on it, but it won't be a complete pseudonym uh, because it doesn't really matter that much. I would like P. Teague or Paul Teague in there somewhere. Um, and I'm just going to set that author name up and that's that's what I'll do for the thrillers. And I'll take it on the chin. Because actually, long term, I do want to write non-fiction. Uh, I find non-fiction really easy to write, actually. But... Uh, at the moment, I've been writing about things that just need updating too regularly. What I'd rather write, I'd rather write a really, some really good non-fiction books that don't need updating every five minutes. That's really what I want to do with non-fiction. So I need to come up with whatever that topic's going to be. Now, at the moment, unfortunately, my area of expertise is digital and geeky stuff that changes every five minutes. So I kind of went for the low-hanging fruit, to coin a phrase, and just thought, well, it makes more sense for me very quickly to just let everything tumble out my head that's in there about digital marketing and produce those as non-fiction books. And that served me very well for the past two years. But I do want to break this need to constantly revise those books. And also, uh, I want to publish non-fiction books that don't have images in. Those ones have images in. It doesn't really work very well. So, quarter two, in quarter two of this year, after I've got this first thriller out of the way, and after I've got my three thrillers that I wrote to the end of last year published, when I've shifted all that work, I will use my time to refresh those books so that I can put on them, you know, refreshed and revised for 2017 and I will sell them for another year and then review it next year. We'll see what we're up to next year. So that's been a pain that has. If you've got any tips or strategies for how you get rid of those really annoying sellers who put daft prices on your books, please do tell me because frankly, it just got lost in the labyrinth with Amazon and I don't have the energy to push it yet. I might push it again later, but I just got too many things on to push something that's that's going to prove problematical. I should be getting The Forgotten Children back from my editor, Helen Fazal, this week. I, I said to Helen, she said, I hope to have it back on Friday. At the time of recording this, it's not come back. It doesn't really matter because I said to Helen, look, if you don't have it back, it's fine. Um, uh, I will just, actually what I'll do is I will just jiggle me weeks around and I'll do something else this weekend and I'll do yours the, the, the other weekend. So um, there's, there's no mad rush for it because it's not getting published till the end of March at the earliest. So I'm happy to have that when it comes. But looking forward to that. Helen always does a really good edit for me. She's, you know, I really love her edits. Uh, she takes out all my nonsense and puts it all right. And it's very good. It's um, it, Officially, it's not supposed to be a structural edit. But in actual fact, she spots all the things that's wrong with it. And it's like a structural edit. So I just really appreciate Helen's uh, feedback on those. So I'm really looking forward to that. 
And on Sunday, I'm formatting Don't Tell Meg. Um, and that's good to get listed on Kindle Scout, if it's not too complicated, uh, this weekend. And it's good to get formatted in Vellum. Now, Vellum. You'll have heard a lot of people talking about Vellum. And they all say that it can't be used on a PC. It has to be used on a Mac. Now, if you've known me for a length of time, you'll know that I hate Macs. Um, I'm not a big fan of Macs. It's not so much Macs that I dislike. It's the fact that Apple clings to making things different. Now, if I were Apple, I would say, let's get Apples in every office in the country. And to do that, we're going to have to get rid of these ridiculous things where you can't cut and paste and you know things like right clicks on the mouse and things don't work. There's just a couple of little things that they need to do with Macs just to harmonize them with PCs so that when a PC user starts to use them, they don't feel like they're a fish out of water. Because there's nothing wrong with the devices at all. My, my, my gripe against Apple is not with the devices at all. It's with the fact that you are so disorientated when you when you use the things when you're coming from a PC. And, and then, um, if they just remove those sort of obstructions for people, where they just can't find where the folders are and things like that, then we'd be able to use them really, really quickly. So I don't know why they don't make just a few couple of basic changes. It doesn't change the core of the device. It doesn't change how nice they look or how well they're made. But it just means it would make it a lot easier to switch. And then, you know, potentially you might have every office place in the country using Apple devices rather than a few of them in, in, in design or, you know, people using them for special purposes. But um, that's my gripe against Apple's. Uh, the machines are lovely, beautifully designed. Um, so that's a long way of telling you <laughs> I found a way to use Vellum and you could use Vellum on a PC using something called Mac in Cloud now this is one of the biggest pains for independent authors that they hear half the indie author community saying oh if you've got a Mac lover you could use Vellum but hard luck if you've got a PC well now us PC users could use Vellum but unfortunately we, we still have to kind of use uh, a Mac and the way you do it is using something called MacInCloud at MacInCloud.com. MacInCloud lets you use from your PC a virtual Mac machine. So it's a, it's a you kind of see a Mac, but it, it, but it's you access it through your your PC, so you don't actually actually have to own one. And MacInCloud, the best way to use it is to use it on pay as you go. Just put thirty dollars worth of credit on that. Thirty dollars worth of credit is good for sixty days, I think it is read the small print this is me using my memory which is never the best thing but it's something like $30 you could keep that credit for 60 days but if you don't use it within that 60 day period I don't think you have to use up all the credit I think you just have to use the account within 60 days to keep the credit live but don't don't sort of hold me to that just make sure you read the the small print on it it's something like that but it's a very low cost and then basically I bought Vellum last week um, you know it's a properly licensed version of Vellum and I've installed it actually I've installed it on my wife's Mac um, and then also put it on my Vellum, um, my drive, my Mac in Cloud drive that I can access whenever I need it. So um, so that's how I will be accessing uh, Vellum and processing it via my PC. Now, if you want to find out how to do that, go to my blog at paulteague.com. And I've just made a short link for you so you don't have to go hunting for it. It's paulteague.com slash Vellum. Teague is spelled T-E-A-G-U-E, as in league. And Vellum is V-E-L-L-U-M. So paulteague.com slash Vellum. Now, um, <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, yes, when I was relisting the non-fiction books this week, um, they'd fallen to the bottom of my KDP area. And at the bottom of my KDP area are three books from my black hat past as an internet marketer on Kindle. 
Now, you may find this uh, interesting. I thought I'd share this with you for the diary, and I've done a screenshot of it on the resources page. But when I was in internet marketing in 2011, I remember the Kindle thing was starting to take off then, and all the all the scammy internet marketers were saying, you know, you can make a million pounds overnight just by publishing, you know, a simple book. And uh, I heard so much about it. I t- this is how I tend to work. You know, if you hear a lot of people talking about it, you think, oh, I, need to, I need to have a look at that. So... In those days, you could publish what were called PLR works, uh, private, what is it, private licensing rights, PLR, private licensing rights, something like that. I think that's what it stands for. And um, basically, PLR material is content that you, you may buy, and sometimes you get it for free, and you're allowed to repurpose it, so you can put your name on it, and you, know, you can tweak it, um, depending on what the rights are. So what I did in 2011, I actually have a date on it, actually. I checked the date. The 1st of March 2011 is when I actually first published on Kindle, not as a proper serious author. I got myself some PLR rights material. Um, I didn't do any writing on it at all. I used a couple of uh, pseudonyms, David Turner and Casey Green, those well-known best-selling authors. And I just published this PLR work on, on KDP as, as it was in those days. I can't even remember what it looked like in those days, but it was fairly easy even then. And I uploaded these works, which I, you know, I hadn't written, put some 3D-looking covers on them, and just let them sit there and just thought, let's just see if they sell themselves. Well, needless to say, they didn't sell anything, and I just forgot all about them. And, um, you know, I didn't come back till to Kindle till 2014 when I was doing it properly. And, of course, in my account, these things were still listed. But in the meantime... Uh, Kindle clamped down on rubbish like that because it was rubbish. That's why I didn't put my name on it. It was just me testing the waters. And um, they're now blocked in my account. I've got, uh, I think I've got two. I think it's those two are blocked. You'll see on the screenshot. It's two or three because there was one legitimate book that I was going to publish there. We did an internet marketing launch in 2000 and, must have been 2010, 2011, it must have been, um, called uh, Auto Cash Funnel. And it had a, a, I'd written a big sort of how-to book guidebook with it so it was a proper book with proper sensible information in it and I was also going to test that on Kindle too because I thought well I've taken the time to write this 80 page book that is full of actually good good marketing content now I can't remember don't think they ever got to publication in actual fact that one but the two PLR ones got blocked they actually block them now fortunately that didn't uh, mean that my account was blocked but that was just an early uh, example of Kindle clamping down on the rubbish that people were listing. And I think what you're going to see with Kindle probably is they're going to constantly clamp down and clamp down and clamp down until the quality just gets better and better. Now, I'm not and wouldn't wouldn't think of listing rubbish like that now, um, but I did think that my, uh, the evidence of my, my former black hat career on Kindle might give you a little chuckle. So I've posted a screenshot of those very early books. Now, you'll see that the dates, I think the dates that you'll see are something like 2014. They weren't listed in 2014 because I was listing secret bunker stuff then, uh, you know, proper books. Um, I think they were they were originally listed in, in March 2011. So, you know, I'd forgotten that, but that's how far back it was the first time I ever had a look at Kindle. In other writing news this week, my podcast had a huge day on Tuesday. Now, a huge day for me is not that huge. Okay, so don't get too excited. Don't break out into a sweat or anything like that. Um, But, you know, it's the early days of a podcast. Podcasts take a while to build. But for me, this was a huge day. I had over, but no, it was 400. It was just, it was 399, 399 downloads. It was, you know, as good as 400 downloads in one day on Tuesday. Now, that for me is a good day. And uh, and I haven't got a clue where those downloads came from. 
And so the first thing I did when I saw this great spike in the in the stats was I started looking at the episodes. I had a look at um, the iTunes directory to see if they'd listed me as you know hot or not or whatever they call them. Um, or, or in one of their directories, they hadn't done that. Was it a particular episode? You know, had somebody promoted a particular author? It wasn't that. Although I could see one local author, I, I contacted this author to let them know that actually um, they'd had a little bit of a flurry on that day. But there was no one thing that seemed to be responsible for that flurry in downloads. But somebody somewhere must have mentioned it, or somebody must have promoted it to have that flurry, because it just, you know, the next day we were back to normal, a little bit of tumbleweed blows by, um, and, and so I don't know where those 400 downloads came from. So this is really just an appeal to you to say, uh, if you saw it promoted anywhere, or if somebody's been mentioning the podcast, who's somebody influential, um, would you just let me know? Because I'd just like to know where the, the downloads came from, because I've been unable to trace them, uh, unfortunately. Another thing I've done that's author related this week is I've installed the Amazon WordPress plugin. And this is a new plugin that Amazon has created that allows you, rather than having to, to, to mess around you know, getting the affiliate code with the affiliate. I have affiliate tracking um, IDs on mine, so I've got quite a few affiliate tracking IDs so I can work out where sales are coming from rather than just one as many people will have. And I've been using, I've been an Amazon affiliate for years. So, um, I mean, really, really years. The first website I ever made was something called, right, brace yourself. Uh, remember people say that it's good to fail. Uh, it actually wasn't a bad idea. It would probably still fly now, to be honest with you. Um, it was called normalbodies.com. It was something that I, uh, I set up before I was even learned how to make money online. I didn't even know how to make websites. And actually, I learned so much through this first project that I did with my mates at the BBC because I didn't even know how to register a domain name in those days. So this must have been, must have been 2009, 2008 when we did this. Um, and the idea was, was, and it was actually quite an early social media site, but the early, the idea was is that you know, <laughs> I do apologise for this because you know me as an author loving. Uh, and, and this idea was um, that people, it, it was like a sort of, <laughs> it was like a gallery for people to post their physical oddities. You know, so if you've got a weird ear or or a, or a strange big toe, the idea was that you'd take a photo and you'd upload it on here and, and, and sort of people could share their, their physical quirks. Now, it wasn't a rude site at all. It was just the kind of idea that this might go and it might be something interesting for people to look at. If you live in the UK, you'll know the um, the television series called Embarrassing Bodies. It was just like that. It was just that. It was just to appeal to that, uh, you know, that curiosity that we have about people's oddities. That's really what it was for. And we set this site up anyway. And this, I learned. This is how I learned how to do loads of website stuff there and at the BBC. But I'd never registered a domain until then. And um, so this. This normal bodies thing, uh, my first affiliate, it's a long way of telling you that my first affiliate ID on Amazon goes all that way back to 2008, 2009, whenever we did that project, because my, my core ID on Amazon is normal bodies. Uh, that's the first one I ever made. So I've been on Amazon for years. Anyhow, the, the WordPress plugin stops you having to mess around in the site. It just means that within WordPress, and it's really good for me for the podcast, because I'm always mentioning books. And to be honest with you, I think, sure, I can't be bothered to go into my Amazon affiliate account and get the ID and get the link and mess around with all of that. What this allows me to do now is to just drop those affiliate links in directly from WordPress. Now, a warning for this, it's not for the faint-hearted. I wish Amazon would do their web stuff simply. Um, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that I'd been experimenting with uploading my websites directly onto Amazon, on, onto S2, I think it's called. Um, and, 
you know, I, I'm fairly geeky. I, I do a lot of installations and, and messing around with databases and things like that. I'm not a super geek. I'm an intermediate geek, but I could do this stuff. And on S2, uh, you know, it even makes me bulk a little bit. I start, you start getting into DNS and messing around with this, that, and the other. And usually I, I sort of bulk at it and think, do you know what? You know, life's too short. Let's just stick it on some hosting, and which is what I've done with my websites now, by the way. I've, I've come off S2 because I just can't face the geekery of it. It's, it's not that I couldn't figure it out. It's just that, you know, there are other things to do. I've got books to write, books to sell. So uh, when, when it becomes too problematical, I just say, Life's too short. Let's just take the easier option. So whether that's right or wrong. Anyhow, with Amazon WordPress plugin, you've got to go into your uh, your your Amazon AWS account or create one. Now, granted, they do give you instructions, but it's not quite as simple as just installing um, a plugin. You have to then, and they and they give you the instructions for this. If you've not used it before, they tell you how to do it. But you've got to create something called a secret key, which I've had for years. Again, I've used it with Easy Video Player. I use it with Ordello. Um, I use I use what have I used it for? I've used it for videos for years in internet marketing. So I do have an Amazon secret key um, already, and, and so I, I kind of was familiar with it. But it's not dead easy uh, as most plugins are. Um, it's like Facebook plugins. You know, when you have to do a Facebook plugin, you always have to mess around with um, what is it? You have to mess around with apps. Facebook. You have to build an app to make a Facebook plugin work. And I just think, oh, really, can we not make this a little bit easier for people? Uh, it's the same with Amazon, but it works um, and it's good and I'm going to use it because when I start mentioning books uh, on, on the podcast, you know, the whole point of the podcast is to drive web traffic and, you know, I make affiliate income from the podcast and I need to make more affiliate income from the podcast. So you're going to start seeing that in use um, on the website so that I can take an affiliate cut when I'm mentioning books that either I recommend or books that um, the authors who appear on the podcast are recommending. So do check that out. I'll put a link on the page and a link to the instructions on the resources page for this week. Um, and if, you are, if you're in, in the moderate geek zone, do check it out because it's very good. Um, I like it. I've been very sort of happy with that. Final news for this week relates to the Alliance of Independent Authors, Ally. Um, Interesting news with Ally. Uh, I was supposed to be on a live chat with Orna Ross on Tuesday. Orna is in New York at the moment, so I'd come home from work, uh, had my tea, and thought, all right, you know, we'll try and stay awake so I can do this thing. And I got an email from Orna saying we've had to cancel because I'm in New York and the connection is not good enough. So that was a bit of a shame, but we've rescheduled it for March the 14th, which is fine by me. It's I think it's Tuesday the 14th of March, seven to eight, off the top of my head. I'll check that and put it on the resources page. So that's great. We're still doing the we're still doing the event, and I'm looking forward to doing that. But um, also, Orna contacted me because I, I've done a couple of their, um, what do they call them, indie author events. Uh, what do they call them? Uh, fringe, indie author fringe events, they call them. I've done a couple of videos and, and Orna got reached out to me. I think it was either before Christmas or just after and said, we'd like you to do some more uh, video training for the Alliance of Independent Authors. And effectively, what Orna's commissioned me to do is uh, quite a lot of videos which are going to be made free um, for Ally members. Uh, just going into some of the basics of, of being an indie author. Uh, and I think they're going on the YouTube channel and probably on the site as well. And uh, I'm doing those for free for the Alliance of Independent Authors. But in return, I'm going to uh, give Orna a special offer for members for my uh, self-publishing academy, which Orna's checked out and she likes. Um, and it's going to drive uh, web traffic for me. So it's a beautiful, uh, you know, it's a beautiful uh, beneficial relationship for, for both of us. Very happy with that. So this week I've been 
recording those videos. Was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. I had a whole day of recording videos. I've recorded seven videos, edited seven videos, and I've sent those off to Orna now, who'll probably look at them when she gets back from New York and said, is that what you want? Tell me what changes you want, because then I'm going to be recording the rest of them in the first three weeks of February. And then actually, as it turns out, all of this time is really nicely, because by the time I appear on Tuesday the 14th of March for that next, that proper hour-long question and answer session. All my videos and the whole thing, the whole offer is going to be set up nicely. So actually it makes more sense as it turns out that I do that first one on the 14th of March. So I'm really happy to be um, in, more involved with the Alliance of Independent Authors. It's a, 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 you know an author group, an indie author group that I'm very, very happy to be aligned with. I mean, it is the author group, isn't it? Um, internationally, it's the independent author group. Um, so I'm very happy to be providing training for the Alliance of Independent Authors. And of course, as an author, uh, it helps to boost my, my credibility and profile. So I'm really looking forward to those uh, closer ties. And, uh, you know, that was some other author work done this week. And the reason I mentioned that is that as an as a independent author, we are business people and we need to have multiple strings to our bow. And often it won't be the books that make us the majority of our income. It might be affiliate income. It might be teaching. It might be um, you know other activities that we have going, and this is why I was saying to you that actually it makes perfect sense for me to resurrect my non-fiction books for another year because if I'm going to be branding myself as a and I use this as an inverted commas an expert in my field you know as a teacher um, about elements of independent being an independent author it makes perfect sense for me to have those non-fiction books because predominantly what I talk about is. Um, in this field, I talk about time management. I tend to talk about the kind of the geeky side of doing things. What I can't talk about is how to sell a million copies because I haven't sold a million copies yet. We're working on it. So I can talk about basic marketing. I can talk about the geek side of it, the how-to stuff, which I've done. Um, you know, I can talk about building author platforms and all of those things. So I can talk about those with with great confidence. What I can't stand up and do is say, I'll tell you how to sell a million books because I can't do that yet. I'm trying to learn that myself. Uh, that's a work in progress. So, um, you know, it's a very sort of comfortable uh, relationship there. So looking forward to doing more work with the Alliance of Independent Authors. Um, and, you know, I have enjoyed making those videos this week. And it's just another string to my indie author bow. It's another way that I can make income from fiction, from non-fiction, from teaching, from having a membership course, from having the podcast and the podcast drives affiliate traffic. Hopefully, um, when, when the podcast has been going a certain amount of time, when we get more listeners, we can maybe look at things like Patreon, sponsorship, and things like that. So this is all, there are all components of an indie author business. And you do need to think this way if you are an indie author. You know, we don't just write the books, lovey, and let somebody else take care of all the rest. We're in this as a business. It is a business, and it has many, we have many strings to our bow, and that's how it works. Okay, that's it. That's the podcast diary for this week. We'll have another one on Saturday when hopefully I will have written another 5,000 words. Um, I do really want you to make sure you can, well, I always want you to catch my guests on Monday. Please make sure you listen to Ron Vital on Monday's podcast. Ron is a sci-fi fantasy author and we'll be touching on that. But the main reason I spoke to Ron is because he published his brilliant blog post uh, on his indie author earnings for 2016. And, you know, for many people listening to this, it, it's almost painful reading. It's painful reading because... You know, Ron's been doing this since I think it's about 2011, and the indie author earnings are, are not high. And he's doing a lot of work. He works full time and he writes, and they're not high earnings. In fact, he ran at a bit of a loss this financial year. But why I was so keen to talk to Ron is that he puts this in context. He says, What I've just been saying to you, we're building a business here. 
most businesses make a loss in their first couple of years. You know, unless they're really lucky, they make a loss. You've got to be in it to, to win it. You've got to stick with it. You're not, most people are not just going to write a first book and be a millionaire. And all the time we're writing, we're creating assets for the long term. And I really want you to listen to Ron's interview because he puts all of this in great context. He's, he's just, I just really enjoyed talking to him. He's really good. I hope Ron's going to do some you know, teaching and some non-fiction writing in future because he speaks very well about this. But, you know, if you're struggling with your earnings, if you're not happy with your earnings, if you feel like you're just doing all the work and the money's just not coming in, the rewards just can't coming in, make sure you listen to Ron on Monday because he's got a great story to tell. So that's Self-Publishing Journeys on Monday the 23rd of January 2017. I'm back with another podcast diary next Saturday. In the meantime, have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.